What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this intermediate episode of the Around the Crease podcast. You can call it episode 79 and a half, um, a, 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 almost 80. Um, but this week, we're doing a little bit of a bonus episode because I got the chance to interview Reed Landon. He is a class of 2021 player from Episcopal School of Dallas. Um, and he wanted to talk about his recruiting process, basically what he went through as a student athlete to eventually commit to Duke University. So it was a very fascinating look into what it's like, especially from a player who is going through the, you know, September 1st of his junior year contact period as we kind of get the, you know, the next wave of players that are experiencing that for the first time. So it's a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. And most importantly, I really hope you kind of learn something. If you're a parent or if you're a player, I think this is a must listen episode. So let's get into the show. I'm here with Reed Landon. He's a junior at the Episcopal School of Dallas and a recent Duke commit. Um, and we wanted to have him on this week for podcast to kind of share his story, share his recruiting story. Um, so kids from other areas, I think, you know, it's one of those things like we'll, we'll touch on this, but a lot of kids outside the traditional hotbeds areas, um, it's almost like a mystery on how how a kid, you know, from Texas gets the interest of a program like Duke with, you know, their prestige and, the history that they've had. So, Reed, thank you so much for, for being on this week's podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me. All right. So just to kind of get us kicked off, like, tell us a little bit about how did you get started with lacrosse? Like, how did lacrosse find you? Yeah. So it was actually I was going into my first grade year. Um, there was a lacrosse clinic held by the Dallas Deuces, which is one of the first um, programs that started lacrosse at a very young age in the Dallas area. And um, my dad actually had saw a flyer for it um, coming home from work one day. And um, he's from the Northeast, so he was somewhat familiar with the game. Um, he never played. He was a hockey player, but he was familiar with it. Um, he, he thought it was something I could, you know, uh, thrive at. Um, and so he signed me up. Uh, we went out and, and rented some pads um, from a friend and at first, I, I hated it. Um, I, I didn't like it. Um, and, you know, he said, you know, we don't quit in this family, and so you're going to finish the camp. And uh, I ended up falling in love with it. I started um, some fall ball after that, and the rest is history. Um, so it, it, I, I give credit to my dad 100% um, for, for getting me involved and, and kind of evolving me into to, to player I am. And for context, like, how old were you then at that point? So I was going into first grade, so I was probably like six or seven. Okay. So yeah, I started I started pretty young, um, but it was fun. So yeah. Um, and so like, was that obviously what was it like, after that first camp? Like you said, maybe halfway through, or however far through, you said that you hated it. What changed your mind? I think I had to adapt to it, you know, obviously coming from, um, you know, a background where I was playing sports every season um, and, and trying to excel the best. I think it was foreign to me. 
Mm-hmm. And that kind of, you know, scared me in a sense where, oh, like, am I going to be good at this or I'm not? Because at the time, I was playing with kids that were probably eight or nine because there weren't just enough kids my age playing. Right. And so I think I was discouraged at the beginning. And then I think, you know, after I realized that I could, you know, I could start, you know, something new like this, I kind of put my mind to it and started to improve. And then that's when I really figured out that just something that I could become pretty good at. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're, you're playing and were you always, did you always play the the position you're at now or like, how did you kind of, because I know some kids usually start out at a different position and kind of maybe define their way to it. Like, how did you start out? Yeah, I, I've always kind of been a midfielder. I think um, my football background uh, of being a receiver and a little bit of a quarterback helped my athleticism. And I really enjoy the idea of being all over the field. Um, and obviously, at a very young age, there wasn't specific positions, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I think some positions were introduced to me. I really just kind of wanted to be the, the player that was kind of around the field playing offense, defense, kind of doing it all. So I think that's what kind of attracted me. To, and I think me staying in it, um, I think that's kind of why. Yeah. Okay. Um, so your your plan, um, when, and did you always know, like, was ESD always in your future? Yeah. So I started playing, when I started playing um, that for that year, I was, it was my first year at ESD. So I started uh, at ESD in first grade. And okay. so I immediately um, started the fall program at ESD. Um, so it was actually my sister um, moved over there um from our old school lamplighter um in first grade and I think that my parents wanted to make the switch because it was you know it's a great academic school with a great balance between athletics and academics and they had a great program and so I think it was kind of a a win-win in all different scenarios okay um and so I guess I before we move on to the the duke and the the d1 of it all like is um Athletics kind of does it run in your family? Like, did your dad? Like, I know you mentioned your dad was from Northeast, but did did he play? Like, did anybody play in college or anything like that? Yeah. So, so my dad, um, he was a hockey player, and he played um, up in uh, New York at Union College in Schenectady, New York. Um, and so he, he's a great athlete. Um, he played uh, hockey and um, soccer in high school. He was a, a goalkeeper. But yeah, he yeah he 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 is definitely where I get a lot of my genetics from athletically. Um, but yeah, he he was a he was a, a college athlete for sure. Yeah. So at what point you know I don't know if that that helps like some kids it helps to you know have a, a parent who who has played at a high level. Um, at what point did you start to think you that lacrosse might take you beyond beyond high school like that you had a shot at, at playing you know after those yeah. four years. I think once I started to get to my middle school years, probably fourth, fifth grade, I really separated myself from my peers, and I started to play up with the kids um, above me, um, the senior class this year, and I was faring pretty well with them, and so I think at that point, I kind of knew that this is something that I could be really good at. And a lot of different club coaches started reaching out to my dad um, when they were first starting 
to to have a program for my age in Dallas wanting mm-hmm. me to come play or come try out. And so I think when I started getting that small recognition at a young age, I really think it kind of gave me confidence uh, in a sense where I could I could take this take this uh, somewhere. Yeah. And so what what was the process like for you? Um, you know, I want to talk about more kind of in generic, like, you know, when did you first start getting really noticed? Because you've obviously been under the, the new recruiting rule where, you know, coaches really couldn't contact you till September 1st of this year for you during your year. Um, so what was the process like for you? And then we'll kind of talk a little bit more maybe granular and talk about what it was like, you know, if you think there was a difference between that and maybe, you know, a kid from Baltimore or Long Island. Right. Yeah, so my recruiting, I think, um, I think. Well, first of all, I think the recruiting rule um, is great for the game. I obviously at first, my eighth grade year when I found out, it wasn't something I was super excited about. But yeah. I think in the long run, it, it, it's going to help a lot of kids out. Um, but I, my recruiting started in about eighth grade, um, just through social media. Coaches started to follow me on Twitter and on Instagram and just kind of keeping tabs on me like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think, um, you know, over the time, uh, you know, over the last summers, my college coaches and my high school coach, you know, they've gotten feedback from, you know, a ton of different coaches. Um, and then obviously September 1st came and, you know, it was, you know, an, an experience that I'll, uh, I'll never forget. Right. So we mentioned, um, well, first you mentioned that the, you think the, the new rule, um, is is going to be a great thing for kids. Like, why 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 do you have that opinion? Uh, I think as as an eighth grader at the time when it made when it would change, you know, I was upset about it because you know you see all these kids committing freshman year before they yeah. even step a foot and um, in a high school game. But I think it allows us as kids to relax. I think oh, there's a lot of pressure. Um, in the summers now, when you get closer to to your junior year on recruiting, and I think it really just gives the kids a time to just play and enjoy the game. I think a lot of kids, um, if the rule hadn't changed, that let's say weren't getting recruited, have feel a pressure that they need to play in every single showcase they're invited to or every single prospect camp, and I feel like it takes the fun out of the game. I think kids will kids would start to get burned out because they have such a high pressure to try to get recruited. Yeah. And I think it also gets, gives kids time to mature. I don't think an eighth grader or even a seventh grader, if the rule hadn't changed time to really understand what they want to do or what college they're interested in or what in a college they're interested in. I mean, there's obviously the lacrosse aspect, but there's the academic you know, aspects like, am I going to thrive here? There's a social aspect of whether I like the people on the campus, whether I like my teammates. And I think a lot of kids at a young age would get kind of lulled into, oh, like they have, they have sweet gear and, you know, they're always on TV. So, you know, let me come here and not really understand, you know, how big of a decision this is for the rest of your life. And so I think the maturity, um, from an eighth grader to uh, a junior is significant and they really understand the, the aspects that all go into making such a big decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked to a number of kids. I actually talked to a, a couple of kids last year, like kind of not after the rule change, but kind of they, they were kind of in that 
um, I guess, transition period where they were being recruited and then the rule went into effect and then they just contact stopped. And each one of them, like, they were like, oh, we were kind of, almost kind of like you. They were a little, you know, upset that it happened because, you know, it was exciting for them to um, have that kind of recruiting aspect at, at such a young age. But then they're like, oh, it made things so much easier on us because then yeah. they didn't have to worry about, you know, they didn't have to worry about messing up at a game or, you know, kind of, they didn't feel quite the pressure. So they, like, they both ended up being like, oh, we actually thought it was, was better. So it's interesting because I hear different angles from parents that, think it's better for it to be sooner possible but every kid i've talked to says share your opinion like you know it's a, it's a lot easier <laughs> it's a lot less pressure yeah get, for sure you get to play and you get to kind of make up your mind without um everybody telling me like oh you got to go here and i know exactly what you're talking about i mean i think it was a, a couple years ago unc had their class filled um when all those guys were like freshmen or sophomores yeah it's like that's nuts <laughs> they, exactly you know, yeah class for two years out is good um but, you know, obviously one of the big things is um, you're a kid from Texas. And, I mean, I, I guess I like to think, I mean, I've been covering the sport long enough to know that, you know, there's there's plenty of guys that come out of Texas. Um, you know, I really – I'm kind of a believer, like, if Texas ever treated lacrosse like they treat football, it would start to blow away every other state in terms of talent. I mean, you just think about the amount of NFL players that come out of Texas that, you know, the talent's there. There's a good transition between that, you know, football and lacrosse. But – for our sport, which is smaller, like, did you maybe when you were talk to kids when you went to showcases, anything like that? Like, how do you think your process was maybe different than um, maybe a kid from Baltimore or Long Island? Yeah, I think that I think the biggest thing um, for me, and I think for you know my teammates and kids that have gone before me that I've talked to, and kids that you know are on the come up, is just exposure. I think. Texas kids are at a disadvantage um, in a sense where, you know, a kid from Baltimore could drive, you know, 15 minutes to uh, Johns Hopkins to do a prospect camp and drive 15 minutes home where we have to get on a plane and we have to, you know, book hotels. And so I think there's just a elongated process for us because, you know, it's, Yes, coaches will come down here for clinics maybe once or twice a year, but the the geographic aspect is just kind of at a disadvantage, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. But I also do think that you have to find the right things to go to, and if you have the talent and if you have what it takes, coaches will notice that, and coaches – I don't th- I, I think at this day and age, coaches are less worried about where kids are from, where, you know, what school they go to. And if they're the right kid and if they're a good person and they have what the talent takes, I think that, you know, the coaches will, will, will go to bat for you no matter where you're from. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier that you, you knew coaches were following you on, like, Twitter and Instagram. Like, do you feel like – did you – use those platforms to kind of help, you know, um, nurse that, you know, the recruiting process along, even if they couldn't contact you at that point. And did you do anything like YouTube videos? Like what was your process for me? Like, Hey, no, I, I want to talk to Duke. I want to talk, whatever your schools were in your, your list. Like what did you, did you do to kind of help yourself? Yeah. 
So, you know, obviously social media in this day and age is huge. Um, and it also comes with risks, right? You have to be careful of what you like on Twitter, what you like on Instagram, what you post. Um, but once I started noticing coaches that were following me, I really – I tried to use it to my advantage where, you know, I would post my highlights on there. And, you know, I would try to get my highlights out accordingly, whether my season just ended for school, I would try to get it out. And with that, I, I, I um, you know, I would sit down with my coaches and I would form a list of, you know, my top schools even last summer and, you know, find all of their emails and, you know, all send them individualized emails, you know, expressing interest in that here's my highlight video and here's my schedule for the summer and, um, you know, and put all my contact information and my coaches so they could reach out if they had any questions. And I think that helped me because as much as they're going to end up recruiting you, you're recruiting them. Mm -hmm. And I think that was big for me because I was able to express my interest into 15 or 20 schools and they knew, wow, this kid's interested, this kid's being proactive. So, you know, let me just put a little check by his name. So when I go to the same event he's at, I can make sure uh, to watch him and see what he brings to the table. And so I think for kids in Texas, and I think for kids that feel like they may be a disadvantage geographically, I think being proactive and and always, um, you know, having your highlight reel out, you know, as soon as your season's over is the best thing for you. Send it to coaches. Tell them you're interested. Um, I'm not saying to, to email them, you know, three, four times a summer in, in, in a month span, but let let them know you're interested. Let them know that you – you are interested in their program. And um, and my biggest thing is I, I know kids that will make a generic email and copy and paste it. And, and I urge to for you not to do that, for any kids to, to not do that, to make them each individualized. Even if it takes an hour longer, in the end, it, it, it's going to come back and help you because coaches talk. And if coaches realize that you're sending the same email but just putting a different name, you're just going to get deleted. And and so my biggest thing is be smart about what you do. Be smart about what you put out there because, you know, two years ago, if someone, you know, liked something on Twitter that could harm them, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that if that kid wanted to commit or a coach was very serious about recruiting this kid, he's going to go back and look at what he's liked, what he's posted, and see is this the kid that I want. And, and – so whether it's three years ago, whether it's, you know, a year ago, every kid has to be smart about what they put out there because coaches can, can, can go find stuff that you wouldn't think that they could. Yeah. And, and, and in this day and age, you know, there's no, there's no, I'm sorry. Um, but I, I think being proactive is, is probably the biggest thing and, and um, you know, doing it the right way and using your platform on social media as a beneficiary. Yeah. And I, I want to reinforce what you said about the, the emails. I was at a um, an event earlier this year, and it had a panel. Uh, it was uh, Princeton, Detroit Mercy, Manhattan, and St. John's uh, coaches up there. And the emails they, they talked about quite, pretty extensively. Um, and basically they said, I mean, you're, we're all human. You're going to make a mistake. If you're doing that boilerplate uh, email, odds are you do that often enough, you're just going to accidentally copy-paste, and you're going to send the wrong coach the wrong email with the wrong yeah. name, and then that's a guaranteed delete. And you've burned that bridge because the coach knows, like, the kid's just sending out, you know, a generic email to me, and he's not really interested in the school. And as you said, like, 
you're recruiting them as much as they're recruiting you. Like the coaches, every coach I talk to wants to know that you want to be at their program. Like you don't want to just go to Duke because it's Duke, but you actually want to be in Durham, North Carolina, and because you're going to enjoy being there. Because coaches, like you're you're going from Texas to, to Durham, so you know it's a, it's a commitment on your part to go there, and you want to make sure you enjoy it, and you got to enjoy it outside of the field because you're going to spend a lot more time off the field than you are on. And coaches want to know that the kid wants to be there um, yeah. as part of their program because you know. Those guys are easier to coach. They're easier to they're easier to be part of the team if they generally want to be there, and it's not just a, a boilerplate. So, yeah, for everybody listening, like that, that you got to take that to heart. Like you said, Reed, if it might take you an extra hour, but it's going to save you so much more um, in the long term, and it can help you stand out because, as you said, you know guys that are sending out that boilerplate email, and like coaches are going to write those guys off, and like they maybe have the ability to play at those programs, but if the coaches they're like, you know, this kid sent out a boilerplate and the other one's actually taking the effort, like who do you think you're gonna shoot? Like you you, you wanna be like everybody wants to be romance, like you, you wanna take the person that wants to go with you to the prom. Like, you know, you got you, right. know, you don't wanna take the person that's like, eh, you'll do. Like, you know, it's the same the same concept. Like we all wanna feel like we're wanted. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we, we I know we touched on a lot, but like is there anything else that you kinda of felt like stood out in your recruiting process that you'd really like uh, other other players either you know, who's going through the process now or maybe going to be going through the process in a year or two should know. Yeah. I, I My biggest thing is is don't get too high and don't get too low because this is a business. Um, and, you know, it comes with its, you know, its graces and it comes with its flaws. And, you know, in my recruiting process and kids that I've talked to, you know, you're going to get a lot more no's than you are going to get yeses. And, and I think, you know, September 1st, you know, you get lulled in by, you know, oh my God, you know, I have 40 division one coaches, you know, texting and emailing me wanting to set up calls. And then when you talk to them, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, we're still evaluating you. Um, and it seems like that. So my biggest thing is, is don't get too high and don't get too low because the process, the process will come to you. Um, you know, there's a place out there for every kid. Um, playing the sport and, and not playing the sport, you know, this sport has given me a platform and given thousands of other kids across the country a um, a benefit where they may not be able to get to a school without the sport. And and these amazing institutions offer such high um, athletic ability, and I think that it's a great tool for kids. And I also think that. You know, kids have to be patient with the process. Um, you know, if you don't hear from your dream school, you know, on September 1st or on at midnight, um, they don't worry about it. I mean, you know, I know tons of kids that don't that hadn't reached out to or hadn't gotten um, received a, a text or an email from the school that they're committed to right now because, you know, this school may not, you know, want to stay up till midnight to, to text them, you know, that's just not the way they work. Um, and, and so I think that everyone has to kind of take with the grain of salt and, and just kind of calm down, breathe, realize that your time is coming. And, and even kids maybe in my class that, you know, haven't, you know, gotten all the attention that they want is it, it's coming. You know, I've talked to plenty of kids that, you know, are doing a ton of prospect days and, and doing stuff to get exposure. And I think it's great. 
and I'm, you know, I'm excited for them, but you have to understand that your time's coming, that the place is going to find you. And so I think patience is key. I think not getting too high or low is key. And I just enjoy it. You know, this is a time in your life where, you know, top tier academic and athletic programs want you. They want you to come to their program and make a difference. And, you know, you don't have many opportunities in your life where some of these coaches that are going to go down as some of the greatest lacrosse coaches ever are reaching out saying that they want you. And it is overwhelming at points, and it is tiring, um, you know, sometimes getting on planes every weekend. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, I, I, at least from my experience, I wouldn't want to trade it for the world. You know, yeah. having a, a 7 o'clock, you know, football game Friday night, but getting up at, you know, 7 a.m. the next day to get on a plane to, to head out to, to, to visit. You know, at first, you know, it seems a little, you know, dragging, but in the end, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So those are kind of my big things is just be patient and, um, you know, be be in the moment and present with all the coaches and respect yeah. and be mature. Um, I don't think – I think that being mature goes a long way because as much as these coaches want you um, academically or athletically, they want – and academically, they want you – um, they want to know you as a person. They, you know, you're spending time with them way more in the locker room and off the field than you are on the field getting coached. And from the coaches I've talked to and from other players I've talked to and my personal coaches I've talked to, you just have to be yourself. You have to be respectful. You have to be prepared going in, knowing, a little, knowing facts and having questions about the school is something that really has helped me. Um, get to know their program and what they're about more and being honest with them and having and telling them that you want them to be honest with you and not, you know, not BSing you saying, Oh yeah, you're, you know, my top prospect, but you're not. So I think, you know, being a good person, being patient with the process, being yourself uh, is my biggest takeaways from the recruiting process. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's worth, um, you'd mentioned, you know, that it, it's a business. Um, it's probably worth noting, you know, also, you know, you, uh, you know, the, the metaphorical you, not you exactly, but, you know, you may be interested in three to five programs, but those three to five programs also probably have, you know, maybe 20 kids on their list that they got to contact. So exactly. kind of reinforce what you're saying, like, if you don't hear from them exactly at midnight, you got to realize, like, you may not be, you know, you're, you're on their list, but again, one, they might not want to stay up that late, but two, it's like also they're they're evaluating more than just the they're not they're evaluating more than three to five kids. You may have your eye on three to five programs, so that gives you more time to kind of focus in. But those three to five programs, you know, there may be a hundred kids that they have on their radar between the five of them. So I think being right. patient patient is key, and I mean I think like that's also one thing coaches notice. Like they don't want you know they want to know yeah. that you know you got your head on your shoulders and you're mature and you can kind of handle because I mean. I'm sure throughout your athletic career, like you've experienced ups and downs and coaches, everyone I talk to that they, they look for those moments where, you know, you missed a shot or you, you missed the slide or, you know, you, you blow a coverage or something happens. They always want to see how you react to that because yeah, they feel like sure. that's, that's what tells what kind of kid they're getting. Like, is it the kid that's going to, you know, get mad and, you know, pick the ground and, you know, yell at a teammate or is he going to be like, learn from that mistake and then move on. Like coaches are looking at all this stuff. So they want to see yeah. how you react and what kind of player they're getting. So it's not just the moments when you're on the phone with them, 
I mean, I think social media is, is a perfect example. Like, they, they want to know, and they want that insight into you, who you are as a person because, as you said, they're going to spend a lot of time with you off the field, and they want to know that you're a fit for their program. I mean, it's all – it's a lot like dating. They, everybody wants to try to feel each other out and seem like, you know, you're going to fit here. Are we going to enjoy our time together because you're going to spend four years, and then most coaches, you, know, you see your players years after they're gone. Like, those are the guys yeah. they want, like the guys that come back, you know, for homecomings and three, four years later and you know, maybe join the staff kind of thing, you know, those, those situations. So um, yeah, exactly. I think your points are all, you know, for kids out there listening, like this is all, you know, take, take a notebook and write a lot of these things down. And again, don't get too down on yourself if you didn't hear from somebody um, exactly. And I mean, with the transfer portal, I mean, I think they kind of want to cut down on you know, probably some of that, like, you know, they want to get the kids that fit and find a way. So I think hopefully the September 1st rule will cut down on that and give you guys a little bit more time to, figure out where you actually want to be. You didn't decide as a freshman. Um, I think Brendan O'Neill will probably hopefully be the last guy that we've seen that, you know, yeah. as a seventh grader, they would have made his decision on where he's going to go. And even he switched um, right. where he was going to go. So, I mean, the process doesn't really end um, until you sign the dotted line. So it's worth, you know, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your story. I hope everybody got something good out of it and kind of can take, take something and learn, you know, even if it's really just one thing, um, kind of take one thing that will help you, in your recruiting process. So, Reed, thank you again, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know you probably got football uh, in six days. And then the lacrosse season, we're still a few few weeks away. But how you guys – I'm going to finish up by just kind of asking how you guys are looking for this year. Good. I, uh, I, I think that, you know, we have a lot of seniors this year. Uh, we have great leadership. Um, we have great captains. Um, and, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited about this year. Obviously, Coach Southern's coming on his second year. We're coming off a great year when you say championship. Um, and I think we have a great mindset going in. You know, what was done was done. And we're learn we're, we're looking and eager to get back on the field and, uh, and start a, a brand new year and, you know, uh, you know, reclaim and, uh, um, get that title. So yeah. I, I couldn't be more excited. I think we're gonna have a great year this year and um I couldn't be more excited to get back out there. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited for the season to start. So we're it's been it's been a yeah. while, but uh, you know it'll be exciting once the season starts again. It's nice to have a little bit of a break, but it's always nice to get back on the field. So Reed, thank you again. Um if anybody wants to, to check out your Twitter uh, or you know, is there any place online that people should should check you out? Yeah, my Twitter is at Landon Reed, and then my Instagram is just Reed Landon. Um, right. So uh, anyone's free to follow me or, or or DM me or text me with any questions or concerns. But uh, I want to just thank you again for uh, for having me on and, and being able to to tell my story and 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 use you know your great platform to to help any kids um, you know that are you know in my situation or. Uh, a little bit younger and just give them some advice on on the process and hopefully uh, my information is helpful but uh, i appreciate you and and i couldn't be more grateful for this well you're more than welcome thank you again for for sharing your story and you have a great rest of your afternoon you as well